So let us pray. Oh, most gracious and all-wise God, I'm so thankful to have this opportunity to stand in this sacred place and to share your word with your people. And Father, I'm thankful for all of these who have come out today to hear from heaven and to hear from you. Oh, Father, give them listening ears and a receiving heart this morning that they might honor and glorify you, oh God, this morning as they submit themselves to you. And Father, I pray that you would hide your servant behind the cross, that I might decrease and you increase, and may the words of my mouth be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, oh my Lord, my strength and redeemer. The word of the Lord this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. The word of the Lord this morning is going to be found in the 15th chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 21 through verse 28, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And it reads, uh, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north toward the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all of her begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came worshiping him, pleading again, the Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it is not right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, true, Lord, even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that falleth beneath the master's table. Dear woman, said Jesus, said to her, your faith is great. Your request has been granted and, your and her daughter was immediately healed. Verse 27, she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. I'm going to talk, teach, and preach from the subject to the dogs. There has always been two basic religious practices in the world, external and internal. The external religion develops a system of law that governs behavior. The internal religion behaves out of a heart of love and respect for God and man. External religion is man-made religion, rituals, and works. Internal religion says to be cleansed, cleansed within by Jesus and you will be faithful to the church and live justly. External religion consists of ceremonies, ceremonial laws. Internal religion says it's based on God's religion, based on his son, Christ, who changes and recreates the hearts of men. This act of recreation gives man a new heart that reaches out both to God and man in love and respect. There has always been a conflict between these two religious ideals and the conflict uh, that wages between Christ and the religious leaders of his day is the backstory in this text. Through the years, Jewish and religious leaders in attempt to keep men religiously and morally clean had come up with thousands upon thousands of rules to regulate and govern men's behavior. And so in the backstory of the text, there is a group of religious leaders, Pharisees, and teachers of the law who have come out of Jerusalem to see Jesus, to ask him some questions. And the question, one of the questions that they ask him 
is why, I'm in verse 2, is why does the disciples disobey the age-old traditions? For they ignore the traditions of ceremony, the ceremony of hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus responds to these religious leaders and Pharisees with criticism. He said, why do you keep these outward laws and not even your own heart adheres to those rules? He said, because I know for a fact that some of you have aging parents at home who need your help and assistance. And you say you can't help them because your finances have been tied up in the church. And so he says, uh, you don't even honor your parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. And so Jesus says, why do you violate the direct commandments of God? This offended the Pharisees. And Jesus goes on to explain that the human heart of his disciples is sinful. And so watch Jesus' response to those religious leaders who have come out of Jerusalem in verse 7. He says, you hypocrites. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied and wrote that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Here's what he says about their worship. He said, their worship is a farce. He said, they teach man-made ideals as they are the commandments of God. And his followers, disciples, as they saw the exchange between Jesus and the religious leaders, became very concerned that Jesus had offended these folks. And so Jesus takes the time, an opportunity to teach his disciples, his followers, a lesson. He said, listen, it's not, a man is not defiled by eat or drink, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. But what comes out of a person's heart, the, secrecy, the secret things that are hidden in his heart, is what defiles them. Then he says this second principle. He talks about blindness. He talks about being spiritually blind. And so Jesus said this to his disciples. Even religious leaders can be wrong. When they are defiled by being blind, he said they will fall into a ditch, and those folks who follow them will fall into a ditch as well. Christ was brief and to the point, and his point was this, that religious people are not born of God. I wish you hear me this morning. Religious people are not born in God. I'm in the Bible, John 3, 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than they did light, and their actions were evil. And so Jesus left them. And he leaves an example for us as one of his rules. He said, if folks don't receive the gospel, he said, knock the dust off your feet and keep it moving. And so Christ will endure long, but he will not endure those who conjure the contradictions of sinners against him. He said to his disciples, let's go. And they did. They went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. If you look in the gospel in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, you'll find that Jesus went into the area and the region of Tyra. It was on the coast of the Gentile nation. And Jesus and his disciples went there and they were hoping to do it in secretly, in secret. So he goes to a house hoping that nobody knows he's there. And, I, and it struck me that it's wonderful that when we are seeking after Jesus, he's not hid in a secret place, but he's always available for us. 
So watch this woman, this Gentile woman, no sooner than they get in the house, a knock comes on the door, they open the door, and a woman falls at the feet of Jesus, and she begins to plead with him. In verse 21, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Jesus deliberately went into the border of the Gentile nation because he needed time and rest to prepare his disciples for his on moving to the cross. And, and so he had to go into this place because he knew that no Gentiles would come in that area. I mean, no Jews would come into the territory because they hated the Gentiles. They called them names and mistreated them. I want to make this note early on in the sermon, in the sermon because it will be important to understand this text. You'll need to remember this. This event that will unfold in the scripture becomes a foreshadowing of the spread of the gospel worldwide. And it was designed by God. And it was designed for all barriers to be broken down. And you need to understand that church and keep that in mind. Why? Because all scriptures is the inspiration of God. It is useful in teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. You'll find that in 2 Timothy 3.16. And so the attitude of Jesus toward this woman, this desperate woman, and when we see Jesus respond to this woman, we will see him like we haven't seen him before in Scripture. And so you see this woman who has found out where Jesus is and comes into the room where he is and falls at his feet and cries for mercy. He said, she said, Lord, help me. My daughter is being tormented by a demon. And so as we go through the text, we'll see what happens to this woman. And watch this, y'all, in the text. In verse 23, the woman has just fallen at the feet of Jesus. She has just cried out for mercy. And Jesus doesn't say anything. Not even a word. You ever been on your face before God? praying about a situation and condition and when you get up from that place you don't hear anything can you imagine what this woman might have been going through at that moment but here's something we need to remember as we go through the text Jesus knew her every thought of her heart he knew exactly what she needed to be led to him in faith Christ was not being harsh or mean Christ was not rejecting the woman or refusing to meet a need of this desperate woman. We have too much biblical uh, uh, record to record it that Jesus never turns away anybody who fell at his feet. The poor, trembling soul that had the boldness and the confidence to come and throw themselves at the feet of Jesus seemed to always move his heart. There were those who had fell at his feet in prayer. There was a man named Jairus whose daughter had fell, fallen sick and he had pleaded for Jesus to heal his daughter. And so he fell at the feet of Jesus. There was this de- the demon that possessed the man and this demon possessed man came and fell at the feet of Jesus in submission to his power and authority. And Jesus drove the demons out of the man and the man sat at the feet of Jesus out of love and respect and showed his readiness to serve the Savior. There were the ten lepers. And only one came back after he was healed, and he fell at the feet of Jesus to give thanks. There was Mary at Bethany who sat at Jesus' feet to listen to his teachings. It was the same Mary that came to Jesus and fell at his feet in sadness after the death of her brother Lazarus. 
There was a woman who had an issue of blood, bleeding for 12 years, and got healed after touching his garment. And then she came and fell at the feet of Jesus out of fear, love, and thanksgiving. The Matthew text shares with us that on early Sunday morning, Easter morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, after seeing the resurrected Lord, fell at his feet and hugged him in worship to him. So many people have placed themselves at the feet of Jesus for so many reasons. Some fall at his feet to ask him for something. Some fall at his feet in fear. Some fall at his feet in thanksgiving. Others fall at his feet in sorrow. And of course, there are those who come to the feet of Jesus in repentance and turn their lives around and begin to serve the authority of an almighty God. This woman... This woman with a desperate need, crying out to God for mercy, needed to learn something. And Jesus himself is going to take her step by step to understand what it takes to worship a true and a living Savior. At first, the woman saw Jesus merely as the son of David, a great miracle worker. She saw him early, only in terms of his earthly power as the liberator of his people from their problems. The woman needed to grow in her faith. This is the key to interpreting this text, what happens between the woman and Christ. He is the master of all lives. We must persist and demonstrate humility in seeking him. Watch the text. I'm in verse 22. Verse 22 tells us she was a Greek woman. What does that mean, pastor? See, this Greek woman, she was a proud of her, her culture and her race. Uh, she was probably still worshiping false gods. Look at John chapter 4, verse 22. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while the Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But watch the text in verse 23. But, there, there, but the time is coming indeed, is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father are looking for those folk who will worship him in that way. This poor, desperate woman in trouble. She was a stranger to the commonwealth of Israel. She was an alien to the covenant promise. She was a Seraphonician woman who was in the coast. And if Christ had not come to that coast, it was unlikely that she would counter him. That's encouragement for you and I because we ought to know that when we need Christ, he is often brought to our door. And it is good for us to know that the word is always nigh in our trouble. I wish I had some witnesses in here. The woman recognized Jesus was no mere musician who performed feats for money and fame. By her calling on the name of Jesus, the son of David, she was acknowledging him to be the rightful king over the nation of Israel that had conquered her ancestors. And so here it is, this woman who is crying out to Jesus had to overcome three things. She had to, she, I mean, she, she cried for his mercy. She cried for the son of David to hear her. She cried, watch this. Not for herself, but for her daughter. She was interceding on the behalf of her daughter that God would break the power of Satan over her life. The fact is she was calling Jesus the son of David, explains and tells us that she had a limited concept of who Jesus was. She had apparently heard that the Jewish uh, people were expecting a Messiah 
and that he was going to be the son of the great King David and he was to do miracles among them. She had heard that he was delivering people from sickness and healing them from all of their diseases, but she needed to grow in her understanding of who Jesus was. And oh, how gracious is our Lord. He knew her thoughts. He knew what was in her mind. He knew what she needed in order to be brought around to an understanding of his true messiahship. And so he began to lead this woman step by step in his, to his lordship and to her confessing faith in humility and having a worshiping spirit. This woman was persistent. There was no quit in this woman. Even though she had to overcome, watch this y'all, three major obstacles in the text. Here's the first thing she had to overcome. She threw her feet, her, she threw herself at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said nothing. She had to overcome his silence. The second thing that she had to overcome was the, the criticism of the disciples, disciples objecting of the woman who was crying after her, after them. They, she was in cre creating an embarrassing situation for them. And they said, sit her away. But watch this woman. There was one more thing that she had to overcome. She had to overcome feeling undeserved. And watch this. In the text, when she cried out to Jesus, Brother Clint, he said nothing. Can you imagine her desperate need? And she cries out to the person who she believes can answer and fix her problem, and he says nothing. And then watch what Jesus says to this woman. He says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep of the people of Israel. He just told this woman she was undeserved, that she had no part of the house of Israel. Why? Because she needed to learn something. She needed to learn that there was only one true Messiah and one true Lord. There was something that not only she needed to learn, but the disciples, as they were aggravated with this woman. See, this woman had to have her faith awakened. See, in order for God to minister to a person, before he can do that, that, he has to awaken the faith in the person. You can't just call on the name of Jesus out of every whim and every fancy and expect to receive help. There must be a true and a sincere awakening of your faith and a sincere heart. The disciples needed to learn that a true servant of God must minister from their heart with compassion to everybody. Despite her de desperate, inadequate understanding of who he was, watch this church, she was still able to get his attention. How? She approached him as the true Lord and cried for mercy. I've already told you this morning that Jesus will never turn away a desperate heart that calls on him for mercy. How many of us would not have had our needs met if we did not have someone interceding on our behalf like this woman was doing for her daughter? I know I stand here this morning on my mama's prayers and my grandmama's prayers because they prayed for me when I didn't have enough sense to pray for myself. Where would I be? if it had not been for somebody interceding for me. And so here it is. Do we honestly love like this woman did? 
Do we cry out to the one true Lord as it says in Scripture in the 34th Psalm? It says, in my desperation, I prayed. Watch this. And the Lord listened. And he saved me out of all of my troubles. In the 61st Psalm, from the ends of the earth, I cry for you to help me when my heart was overwhelmed. Lead me to the tower and the rock of safety. Watch this. She related in her misery about her daughter being vexed with a devil. She was ill. She was betwixt. She was possessed. And it was common in those days. The vexation of our, our children ought to trouble the parents. And nothing should be more troubling to us than when your children are under the power of Satan. A caring parent feels the misery of those who are literally pieces of themselves. The vexation with the devil. Watch this. She was still my daughter. The greatest afflictions of our relationships are not dissolve our obligations to our children and therefore ought not make them alien to us and our affections when they struggle with the issues of life. She was desperate. She was in trouble because there was a problem in her family. And so she brought her problem to Christ. And she came to him not for teaching but for healing because she came in faith. He did not reject her. And it is often out of needs that drives us to the feet of Jesus. And so here it is. It is the duty of parents to pray for their children and to be earnest in prayer, especially for their souls. You might have a son or a daughter who is grievously vexed with a proud will, an unclean devil, a malice devil, led in captive by his will. And we are to cry out like this woman to God to say, help me. The greatest blessing we can ask Christ is for our children. This is what breaks the power of Satan. This is what breaks the power of sin on their souls. When we cast forth that unclean spirit in the name of Jesus, they can become temples of the Holy Ghost and God begins to dwell in their life. In a case like this, bring them to Christ in faith and in prayer who alone is able to heal them parents should look upon his great mercy and his great power to break Satan's control over the souls of our children there's a great lesson in this for us as believers in this woman see there are those of us who pray with no expectancy why because we really can't believe that there's a time that God has ever answered our prayer. I can't really appoint to an occasion where I believe he's shown himself. And so I, I, I'm just praying out of the chance that he might hear me. We're to follow the example of this woman who prayed in persistence and perseverance. She would not take no for an answer. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Listen, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, watch this. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you've asked for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. 
keep on knocking and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. This woman prayed and would not quit. She would not be discouraged. She would not be silent. She didn't care about the objections and the attitudes of other people because she truly loved her daughter and she was desperate. The woman finally understands what it is that Jesus was trying to teach her and she takes the essential steps. Watch this in the text. She began to worship the Lord. I'm in verse 25. She, look, she's worshiping him and pleaded with him again. Watch this. Lord, the son of David is now gone. She understands who Jesus is. I could stop right here and have an altar call, but there's so much more in the text. See, this woman was like so many people. When they approached Jesus as a mere man and not as Lord of God to be worshiped, and listen, God, his father, will never accept such a low view of his son. We really, we really need to what happened to us, what happened to this woman, we're to grow in our faith and see who Jesus is. But listen, she gets it, she understands who he is, but watch this. The woman receives a rebuke from Jesus. I'm in verse 26. He tells this woman, it's not right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. This ignominious name, like a stone cast at a heathen, fell up on her head, and it seemed to be directed by a, by a just God. Out of pride and contempt, the Jewish nation gives the Gentile this disgraceful name, and Jesus seemed to be in agreement with them that salvation was only for the Jews. It's not right to alienate them. It's not right to give what's for, to them, to the Jewish nation. But watch this woman's faith because she understands. She turns the tables. She says this. This is the, the strength and the, and the resolve of this woman and breaking through all of the discouragement. Watch this woman. At this point, many folk would have sunk into despair and silence or in brokenness and left and gave up, but not this woman. She said this. She could have said this. I've never been treated so roughly in my life. He could have at least done as much for me as he's done for somebody else. Why put me in the same category as a dog? I'm not a dog. I'm a woman. I'm an honest woman. A woman in misery. I'm not sure why you're calling me a dog, but she didn't say that. She didn't say a word. Watch this, because a humble, believing soul ought to understand that everything that Jesus done for us is for our good, Pastor. Amen. We might not understand it, but just like this woman, that's something for us to learn. Those whom will delight in the Lord and exercise great faith in the midst of their trials will come forth as pure gold. I want you to check out this woman's response in verse 27. Watch this, church. This will mess you up. It messed me up. She owned it. And she said, you know what is true? She said, I am indeed but a dog. I am a poor, sinful creature. 
unworthy of any favor. And that it would certainly not be right or fitting for you to take the children's bread and give it to the dog. This woman exhibits, exhibits some remarkable discrimin- I mean, dis- discernment in a reply. Watch this. She believed that the table did not belong to the children, but to the master, showing her awareness of the hostility of the attitudes of the 12 disciples. And so guess what? She bypassed them and appealed her response j- directly to Christ, who was above them. The woman said, yes, it's true. But watch this. The children would never deny the crumbs of the bread to the family's dog that had its place under the table. She said, I'm not asking for a loaf. I'm not asking for a morsel. I only ask for the crumbs. She said, do not refuse me that. She was not devaluing his mercy or making light of it, but she was magnifying the abundance and the miraculous cure of God that is found in a single crumb. Although he did not immediately give her what she asked for, what she requested, he was still pushing her to do more and to be more. She believed that Christ had the power to overcome her unworthiness, that he had the power to overcome space and time. See, every expected prayer is not always immediately answered. Sometimes God seems to to regard his people as a man who is asleep or maybe angry with us. But sometimes he is trying to prove and improve our faith after he shows himself an answered prayer. It ought to bring us to trust him and glorify and honor his holy and divine name. Watch what Jesus says to this woman in verse 28. He says, Your faith is great because she was able to overcome and endure and get over all of the obstacles that told her she was unworthy to receive anything from the true and the living God. And she stayed with it. And because she stayed with it, the scripture says that she had great faith. Watch this. In Mark chapter 7, you'll read that Jesus says this to the woman. He says, now go home for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying there quietly in the bed because the demon was gone. There are only two people in scripture that Jesus ever declared had great faith. It was this woman and the centurion soldier. She had great faith. And you know what? As I close, oftentimes when this text is being preached, 
they focus on the woman's persistence. But the Holy Spirit impressed them on me as we're on the verge of vacation Bible school. The reason for this woman's persistence was because her child was in trouble. She would not quit because her baby needed her to intercede on her behalf and to have faith in God that he will hear her prayers and deliver her. And so the Holy Spirit said, Jeff, here's what I want you to do. This altar is the symbolic feet of Jesus. He said, parents, I want you to grab your children and bring them to the symbolic feet of Jesus and pray for them. And listen, children, if your parents don't have enough courage to bring you to the altar, do me a favor and grab their hands and bring them. If you have a son or a daughter, come on, give me some music, who is out there in the world, who is not living a life that was satisfying God and not only God but you, I'm going to ask you to pray for them this morning. Would you come to the altar? Would you bring your children to the feet of Jesus? I'm asking you to come. And children, I'm saying if your mom and daddy won't bring you, would you grab their hand and bring them? They need to pray. They need to pray for you. That God will keep you out of the hands of the enemy. That you'll be concentrated for the purpose and the reason of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Won't you pray for your children if they're out there in the world and they seem to be living a way that's opposite of God's will. Won't you come and pray for your son or your daughter? Will you have the faith of this woman? Will you have a quit, a not quit spirit that you're willing to stay on your knees as long as you have to until God moves in the life of your son and your daughter? Won't you pray for your children? The enemy wants our children. The enemy doesn't want them to live for God. And it's our responsibility as their parents to pray God's protection over their life. Won't you pray for your children? you bring them before an almighty God that is able to do everything but fail if you just believe and have faith in God he will protect our children he will keep them Father God we thank you for all of these faithful parents who are coming and praying for their children that the enemy won't take them and take their lives. They're praying that they will be your temple of the Holy Ghost and be a witness in a lost world to other boys and children what it is to serve a true and a living God. 
Father, we're getting ready to go into vacation Bible school. And there will be children that will come in our doors. We pray that they understand in that week that they will know who loves them. And know that there are people who are praying in intercession for them right now. Father, we thank you in advance for what we know you're going to do in Jesus' name. We call it done by faith. We trust you. We love you. We believe in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen and bless his name.